Chapter 24 of Gunside Pass How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Shorty. It was a surprise to Dave to discover that the horse Steve had got for him was his own old favorite, Chiquito. The Pinto knew him. He tested this by putting him through some of his old tricks. The horse refused to dance or play dead but at the word of command his right foreleg came up to shake hands he nuzzled his silky nose against the coat of his master just as in the days of old crawford rode a bay larger than a bronco the oil prospector was astride a rangy roan he was no horseman but as a perpetual motion conversationalist the old wildcatter broke records he was a short barrel of a man with small eyes set close together and he made a figure of fun perched high up in the saddle. But he permitted no difficulties of travel to interfere with his monologue. The boss hold-up was no glad-hand artist, he explained. He was a sure enough sulky devil, though of course we couldn't see his face behind the mask. Blue mask it was, made out of bandana handkerchief. Well, right away I knew something was liable to pop, for old Harrigan, scared to death, kept a-going just the same. Maybe he hadn't sense enough to stop, as the fellow says. Maybe he didn't want to. Bang, bang! I reckon Tim was dead before he hit the ground. They lined us up, but they didn't take a thing except the gold and one Chicago fellow's watch. Then they cut the harness and pent for the hills. How do you know they made for the hills? asked Dave. Well, they naturally would. Anyhow, they lit out round the bend. I hadn't lost em none, and I wasn't looking to see where they went. Not in this year of our Lord. I'm right careless at times, but not enough so to make inquiries of road agents when they're red from killin'. I've been told I got no terminal facilities of speech, but it's a fact I didn't chirp from start to finish of the hold-up. I was plumb reticent. Light sifted into the sky. The riders saw the colors change in the desert dawn. The hilltops below them were veiled in a silver-blue mist. Far away, Malapi rose out of the cauldron, its cheapness for once touched to a moment of beauty and significance. In that glorified sunrise, it might have been a jeweled city of dreams. The prospector's words flowed on. Crystal dawns might come and go, succeeding mist scarfs of rose and lilac, but a great poet has said that speech is silver. No, sir, when a man has got the drop on me, I don't aim to argue with him, not none. Tim Harrigan had notions. Different here. I've done some rough housing. When a guy puts up his dukes, I'm there. Once down in Sonora, I slammed a fellow so hard he woke up among strangers. Fact. I don't make claims, but up at Carbondale, they say I'm some rip-snorter when I get going good. I'm quiet. I don't go around with a chip on my shoulder. It's the quiet boys you want to look out for. Am I right? Crawford gave a little snort of laughter and covered it hastily with a cough. "'You know it,' went on the quiet man, who was a rip-snorter when he got going. "'In regards to that, I'll say my observation is that when you meet a small man with a steady gray eye, it don't do a bit of harm to spend a lot of time leaving him alone. He may be good-natured, but he won't stand no devil and take it from me.' The small man with the gray eye eased himself in the saddle and moistened his tongue for a fresh start. But I'm not one of these foolhardy idiots who have to have wooden suits made for them because they don't know when to stay mum. You cattlemen have lived a quiet life in the hills, but I've been right where the tough ones crowd for years. 
I'll tell you there's a time to talk and a time to keep still, as the old saying is. Yes, agreed Crawford. Another thing. I got an instinct that tells me when folks are interested in what I say, I've seen talkers that went right on boring people and never caught on. They'd talk your arm off without getting wise to it that you'd a had a plenty. That kind of talker ain't fit for nothing but to wrangle Mary's little lamb way off from every human being. In front of the riders, a group of cottonwoods lifted their branches at a sharp bend in the road. Just before they reached this turn, a bridge crossed a dry, irrigating lateral. After Harrigan had been shot, I came to the ditch for some water, but she was dry as a whistle. Ever notice how things are that way? A fellow wants water, none there. It's raining rivers, the ditch is running strong. There's a sermon for a preacher, said the prospector. The cattleman nodded to Dave. I noticed she was dry when I crossed higher up on my way out, but she was full up with water when I saw her after I had been up to Dick Grain's. Funny, commented Sanders. Nobody would want water to irrigate at this season. Who turned the water in, and why? Beats me, answered Crawford. But it don't worry me any. I got troubles of my own. They reached the cottonwoods, and the oil prospector pointed out to them just where the stage had been when the bandits first appeared. He showed them the bushes from behind which the robbers had stepped, the place occupied by the passengers after they had been lined up, and the course taken by the hold-ups after the robbery. The road ran up a long, slow incline to the bend, which was the crest of the hill. Beyond it, the wheel tracks went down again with a sharp dip. The stage had been stopped just beyond the crest, just at the beginning of the downgrade. The coach must have just started to move downhill when the robbers jumped out from the bushes, suggested Dave. Sure enough, that's probably how come Tim to make a mistake. He figured he could give the horses the whip and make a getaway. The hold-up saw that. They had to shoot to kill or lose the gold. Being as he was a cold-blooded killer, he shot. There were two pinpoints of light in Emerson Crawford's eyes. He knew now the kind of man they were hunting. He was an assassin of a deadly type, not a wild cowboy who had fired in excitement because his nerves had betrayed him. Yes, Tim knew what he was doing. He took a chance the hold-ups wouldn't shoot to kill. Most of them won't. Well, that was his mistake. If he'd seen the face behind the mask, he would have known better, said Dave. Crawford quartered over the ground. Just like I thought, Dave. Applegate and his posse have been here and stomped out any tracks the robbers left. No way of telling which of all these footprints belonged to them. Likely none of them. If I didn't know better, I'd think someone had been given a dance here the way the ground is cut up. They made a wide circle to try to pick up the trail wanted, and again a still larger one. Both of these attempts failed. Looks to me like they flew away, the cattleman said at last. Horses have got hoofs, and hoofs make tracks. I see plenty of these, but I don't find any place where the animals waited while this thing was being pulled off. The sheriff's posse had milled over the whole ground so thoroughly we can't be sure, but there's a point in what you say. Maybe they left their horses farther up the hill and walked back to them, Dave hazarded. No, son, this job was planned careful. Now the hold-ups didn't know whether they'd have to make a quick getaway or not. They would have their horses handy, but out of sight. Why not in the dry ditch back of the cottonwoods? asked Dave with a flash of light. Crawford stared at him, but at last shook his head. I reckon not. 
In the sand and clay there, the hoofs would show too plain. What if the hold-ups knew the ditch was going to be filled before the pursuit got started? You mean... I mean, they might have arranged to have the water turned into the lateral to wipe out their tracks. I'll be dogged if you ain't on a warm trail, son, murmured Crawford. And if they knew that, why wouldn't they ride either up or down the ditch and leave no tracks at all? They would, for a way, anyhow. Up or down, which? Down so as to reach Malapi and get into the gusher before word came of the hold-up, guessed Crawford. Up, because in the hills there's less chance of being seen, differed Dave. Crooks like them can fix up an alibi when they need one. They had to get away unseen in a hurry, and to get rid of the gold soon in case they should be seen. You rung the bell, son. Up it is. It's an instinct of an outlaw to make for the hills where he can hole up when in trouble. The prospector had been out of the conversation long enough. Depends who did this, he said. If they came from the town, they'd want to get back there in a hurry. If not, they'd steer clear folks. Once, when I was in Oklahoma, a nigger went to a house and shot a white man he claimed owed him money. He made his getaway look like in the whole town hunting for him for fifty miles. They found him two days later in the cellar of the man he had killed. Well, you can go look in Tim Harrigan's cellar if you've a mind to. Dave and I are going up the ditch, said the old cattleman, smiling. I'll tag along, seeing as I've been drug in this far. All I'll say is that when we get to the bottom of this, we'll find it was done by fellows you'd never suspect. I know human nature. My guess is no drunken cowboy pulled this off. No, sir. I'd look higher for the men. How about Parson Brown and the school superintendent? asked Crawford. You can laugh all right. Wait and see. Somehow I don't make mistakes. I'm lucky that way. Use my judgment, I reckon. Anyhow, I always guess right on presidential elections and prize fights. You gotta know men in my line of business. I study em. Hardly ever peg em wrong. Fellow said to me one day, How's it come, Thomas? You most always call the turn. I give him an answer in one word. Psychology. The trailers scanned closely the edge of the irrigation ditch. Here, too, they failed to get results. There were tracks enough close to the lateral, but apparently none of them led down to the bed of it. The outlaws, no doubt, had carefully obliterated their tracks at this place in order to give no starting point for the pursuit. "'I'll go up on the left-hand side. You take the right, Dave,' said Crawford. "'We've got to find where they left the ditch.' The prospector took the sandy bed of the dry canal as his path. He chose it for two reasons. There was less brush to obstruct his progress, and he could reach the ears of both his auditors better as he burbled his comments on affairs in general and the wisdom of Mr. Thomas in particular. The ditch was climbing into the hills, zigzagging up draws in order to find the most even grade. The three men traveled slowly, for Sanders and Crawford had to read signs on every foot of the way. "'Chances are they didn't leave the ditch till they heard the water coming,' the cattleman said. "'These fellows knew their business, and they were playing safe.' Dave pulled up. He went down on his knees and studied the ground, then jumped down into the ditch and examined the bank. "'Here's where they got out,' he announced. Thomas pressed forward. With one outstretched hand, the young man held him back. "'Just a minute. I want Mr. Crawford to see this before it's touched.' The old cattleman examined the side of the canal. The clay showed where a sharp hoof had reached for a footing, missed, and pawed down the bank. 
higher up was the faint mark of a shoe on the loose rubble at the edge looks like he assented study of the ground above showed the trail of two horses striking off at right angle from the ditch toward the mouth of a box canyon about a mile distant the horses were both larger than broncos one of them was shod one of the shoes badly worn was broken and part of it gone on the left side the riders were taking no pains apparently to hide their course no doubt they relied on the full ditch to blot out pursuit the trail led through the canyon over a divide beyond and down into a small grassy valley at the summit crawford gave strict orders no talking mr thomas this is serious business now we're in enemy country and we've got to soft foot it the foothills were bristling with chaparral behind any scrub oak or cedar under cover of an aspen thicket or even of a clump of gray sage an enemy with murder in his heart might be lurking here an ambush was much more likely than in the sun-scorched plain they had left the three men left the footpath where it had dipped down into the park and followed the rim to the left passing through a heavy growth of manzanita to a bare hill dotted with scrubby sage at the other side of which was a small gulch of aspens straggling down into the valley back of these a log cabin squatted on the slope one had to be almost upon it before it could be seen its back door looked down upon the entrance to a canyon this was fenced across to make a corral the cattleman and the cowpuncher looked at each other without verbal comment a message better not put into words flashed from one to the other this looked like the haunt of rustlers here they could pursue their nefarious calling unmolested not once a year would anybody except one of themselves enter this valley and if a stranger did so he would know better than to push his way into the canyon horses were drowsing sleepily in the corral dave slipped from the saddle and spoke to crawford in a low voice i'm going down to have a look at those horses he said unfastening his rope from the tientos the cattleman nodded he drew from its case beneath his leg a rifle and held it across the pommel it was not necessary for sanders to ask nor for him to promise protection while the younger man was making his trip of inspection both were men who knew the frontier code and each other at a time of action speech beyond the curtest of monosyllables was surplusage dave walked and slid down the rubble of the steep hillside clambered down a rough face of rock and dropped into the corral he wore a revolver but did not draw it he did not want to give anybody in the house an excuse to shoot him without warning his glance swept over the horses searched the hoofs of each it found one shod a rangy roan gelding the cowpuncher's rope whined through the air and settled down upon the shoulders of the animal the gelding went sunfishing as a formal protest against the lariat, then surrendered tamely. Dave patted it gently, stroked the neck, and spoke softly reassuring words. He picked up one of the front feet and examined the shoe. This was badly worn, and on the left side, part of it had broken off. A man came to the back door of the cabin and stretched in a long and luxuriant yawn carelessly and casually his eyes wandered over the aspens and into the corral for a moment he stood frozen his arms still flung wide from the aspens came down crawford's voice cool and ironic much obliged shorty leave em right up and save trouble 
the squat cowpuncher's eyes moved back to the aspens and found there the owner of the d-bar lazy r what do you want he growled sullenly you just now step right out from the house shorty that's right anybody else in the house no you'll be luckier if you tell the truth i'm telling it hope so dave step forward and get his six-shooter keep him between you and the house if anything happens to you i'm going to kill him right now shorty shivered hardy villain though he was there had been nobody in the house when he had left it but he had been expecting someone shortly if his partner arrived and began shooting he knew that crawford would drop him in his tracks his throat went dry as a lime kiln he wanted to shout out to the man who might be inside not to shoot at any cost but he was a game and loyal ruffian he would not spoil his confederate's chance by betraying him if he said nothing the man might come realize the situation and slip away unobserved sanders took the man's gun and ran his hand over his thick body to make sure he had no concealed weapon i'm going to back away you come after me step by step so close i could touch you with the gun ordered dave the man followed him as directed his hand still in the air his captor kept him in a line between him and the house door crawford rode down to join them the man who claimed not to be foolhardy stayed up in the timber this was no business of his he did not want to be the target of any shots from the cabin the cattleman swung down from the saddle sure we'll light and come in shorty no you first i'm right at your heels with this gun poking into your ribs don't make any mistake you'd never have time to explain it the cabin had only one room the bunks were over at one side the stove and the table at the other two six-pane windows flanked the front door the room was empty except for the three men now entering you live here shorty asked crawford curtly yes the answer was sulky and reluctant alone yes why snapped the cattleman shorty's defiant eyes met his my business mine too i'll bet a dollar if you're nesting in these hills you can't have but one business prove it prove it retorted shorty angrily some day not now crawford turned to sanders what about the horse you looked at dave same one we've been trailing the one with the broken shoe that your horse shorty maybe so maybe not you've been having company here lately crawford went on who's your guest you seem to be right now you and your friend the convict sneered the short cowpuncher don't use that word again shorty advised the ranchman in a voice gently ominous why not true ain't it doesn't deny it none does he we'll not discuss that where were you yesterday here part of the day where was you demanded shorty impudently seems to me i heard you was right busy what part of the day begin at the beginning and tell us what you did you may put your hands down why i got up in the morning and put on my pants and my boots jeered shorty i don't recollect whether i put on my hat or not maybe i did i cooked breakfast and ate it i chawed tobacco i cooked dinner and ate it smoked and chawed some more cooked supper and ate it went to bed that's all why no i fed the critters and fixed up a busted stirrup 
Who was with you? I was plumb lonesome yesterday. This any business of yours, by the way, Em? Think again, Shorty. Who was with you? The heavy-set cowpuncher helped himself to a chew of tobacco. I told you once I was alone. Ain't seen anybody but you for a week. Then how did you hear yesterday was my busy day? Crawford thrust at him. For a moment, Shorty was taken aback. Before he could answer, Dave spoke. Man coming up from the creek. Crawford took crisp command. Back in that corner, Shorty. Dave, you stand back, too. Cover him soon as he shows up. Dave nodded. End of chapter 24